0: the Interagency Committee on Anti-Illegal Drugs. Now, this is a very important committee given the fact that this is the committee that coordinates the entire anti-drug effort of the government, in particular of the Duterte administration. Of course, uh, during that uh, three-week stint by the vice president, she tried to introduce certain changes. She tried to improve the direction of the uh, drug war toward what is considered as a public health issue, not just to focus on the drug war as a law enforcement issue. Now, this is a very important topic that we're going to discuss today because uh, we always hear the word community-based rehabilitation, but what does it exactly mean, and how does it work on the ground, and how that can be replicated nationwide. So for today's podcast, we're joined by Attorney uh, Sikini, or Bok Bastilla. He is the spokesman of the group called Community-Based Rehabilitation Alliance, or COBRA. Thank you very much for joining us on this podcast, attorney.
1: Good morning, Christian. Thank you for having me here.
0: Okay, Cobra, first, a very interesting name. Uh, is this really the name of your group, Cobra?
1: That is now the the name. Um, it, it, it started as a, uh, well, really as a joke because so, um, first, uh, it might come across as too strong. On the other hand- uh, And quite negative. It might quite, sound negative. Yes. Um, uh, th- we had, I had thought of other names, but um, th- the, even Mudra. <laughs> Mudra. <laughs> <laughs> Universal <laughs> Rehab uh, something drug. But um, we wanted to appeal also, I think, at the back of our mind to the, that segment of the population that we really want to, to join us here, which is the, the PNP.
0: The Philippine National yes. Police. Yes, the Philippine National Police. Th-
1: now, how old is this
0: group of yours?
1: We started uh, right after Kian, so August 2017. 2017, yeah, so, so more than two years. More than two years, yeah. We, my, Where I came from, I, I was originally with the uh, Lost Sheep uh, Foundation, which was a committee of the Bishop Businessmen's Conference. So that was the first conversations we had. I represented the uh, Kalawakan anti Drug Abuse Council headed by Mayor Oka Malapitan. And then we joined later. There was a group that's called RAPID, I forgot now the entire acronym is quite long, that um, called for a, a second conversations. The first conversations we had, we gathered actually the best uh, practitioners of community-based at that time. So we invited even from Davao, Kakeh Oro mm-hmm. uh, people, and just to share stories and uh, document, map where we are and wha- what what strengths we have each, weaknesses, etc.
0: And how big is this uh, group called Cobra?
1: It's quite big. We actually started with uh, the first conversations we had. I remember we had like 40 uh, at- attendees in that. Um, so.
0: So you are represented nationwide?
1: Yes, yes.
0: So you're trying to promote the idea of community-based rehabilitation nationwide?
1: Yes, um, th- the whole point of that conversation, which was April 2017, was really to find out if there are other voices out there similar to what we were doing. And we found that true enough, even as far as uh, CDO, there were very good stories. Uh, then we, fa- we realized that um, a, lot of the, a lot of them are f- from, from the church, very few from the government, and uh, maybe some civil society, but most mostly church-led because that was the reaction at the time. But what
0: wh- what triggered this uh, this uh, this group of people to actually form this group called Cobra?
1: Well, yeah. So that was the the you were gathering similar voices. Yes, right? yes. That was so. The so wh-
0: what was the trigger? Kian de los Santos. No, no. Uh, before Kian. Before so April was before Kian, oh, okay.
1: and uh, Filioni was our first. Uh, Rockstar, so to speak, because he had a media, social media following. Father Filoni. Father Filoni. And uh, so we wanted to look for other Filonis out there, and, and there were a lot. Um, and even—that's we that's where I met uh, Cipag. Uh,
0: but, but what was in the conduct of the drug war by President Duterte that you thought needed certain improvements? That's why you came up to this group.
1: Well, yes. Um, there was n- no one representing the, the victims, the, the tinutokhang, because it was just tokhang, paano yung tinutokhang? So uh, it was very organic, you know, we, um, we just thought that the human rights aspect of it was not very much addressed. Um, the health issue came came later, but we started from the human rights perspective. Uh, what happens to those people? You, you knock doors with mm-hmm. those people who can, you know, be met with a bullet any time, any any time of the day. And, and also the,
0: the deluge of uh, drug users that they were able to convince to surrender. I remember the yes, big problem yes. during the first few months of the Duterte administration mm-hmm. was how to accommodate so many surrenderers. Yes what activities to to implement, as yes. far as they were concerned, right? Correct, correct, yeah.
1: Because uh, the, the knee-jerk reaction was for, um, well, definitely, if you had to bring them to something, you're su- you're surrendering, surrendering to what, basically? So even the legal framework wasn't there. Um, when you say, for instance, that, okay, I realize that um, I'm in the list and police are knocking at my door, uh, exactly about what, maybe because I, I, I used I, you know, I smoked a stick five years ago now I find myself in that place so what do I surrender to mm-hmm. what crime did I commit but just because I'm people knock at my door I have to surrender to to some something right and
0: many of them did
1: any of them did um thousands hundreds of thousands even at the, because th- that was the first detective right mm. knock on all these doors uh, that, that was the first metric of the police they, they didn't do anything much except just keep knocking on doors you know surrender so
0: and even that was questionable because how they came up with the list, uh, this was based on the reports, many of them intelligence reports, right, coming from the barangay or the villages. Yes, yes. If they o- know of someone who was using illegal drugs allegedly. Yes. They yes. reported them to the police. Yes. And their names were included on the list, right?
1: Right, so the, it was sort of a, um, uh, a, ch- a chicken, you know, chicken race scenario. So it's like, we have a list, but you also have to come up with the list and see where our list will will meet somewhere. So, um, so the barangays were told, you know, come up with with names of people in your barangay who you think are into drugs or are dealing with drugs or using. So, and um, even to the point where some barangay captains, and uh, this was very much a practice in Manila, for instance, are told to gather in one place. So it was called tapang mm-hmm. tapok yo. Right? Tapok, hang- Tapok hangyo. tapang Right? So it's like you gather there and then you mass surrender. Remember that? Yeah, yes, yeah. So like in June, July or something.
0: In the, in the, uh, in the olden days, we call it zona. Sona. Sona? <laughs> Sino Sona yung lugar? Yes. Looking for suspected uh, criminals. Yes, yes. To, no?
1: Right, right. But this one is a mass surrender. And in that mass surrender, you're supposed to appear in video, you raise your right hand, that I changed my, I vowed to change my ways, etc. So what's the legality in that, mm-hmm. right? um and they're asked to sign, and and they don't know what they're signing. Are they signing a waiver? Are they signing a surrender? Are they signing an attendance sheet? So um, even that is is already. And um, funny thing was, um, the first of these tapangs, uh, you could see the names of even the barangay captains who brought them there. So they're in the attendance sheet, and then the attendance sheet turned into a watch list. So. Barang captains now complained. Why are we now in a watch list? I mean, we were the ones who brought them here in the first place. So that was another mistake. <laughs> it was another mistake. There were lots of barang captains in Manila who had made that complaint. So right, so now we can't get out of this list because be, because we brought them here. So that, that's why the the tapang stopped mm-hmm. because uh, there was there was no order there. I mean, wh- who who knows that the police wouldn't identify be able to identify the barang captain from a surrenderer, and all of them find themselves in the list.
0: I remember wh- when uh, when so many surrenderers uh, turned up, uh, one of the most common activities that, uh, that was implemented mm. by local governments, I think even with the sanction of the DOH was to make them dance the Zumba, right?
1: That was the uh, rehab at that time. Uh-oh. The rehab was um, sweat it out and drunks will leave your system.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <That> was, <laughs> <laughs> was there even a science behind that? <laughs>
1: I, I even met this guy from in Davao, of all places, and he, he said he was going to propose to the president to set up sauna baths all over the country because the, he, he still believed that there's a school of thought in the U.S. that drugs are in your skin. Mm-hmm. So if, if it leaves your skin, then you'll be, you'll be cured of drugs. So <laughs> I, so thankfully, that didn't materialize. So meaning
0: the idea that you would lose your addiction? So long as you sweat you it out. You sweat it out. Okay.
1: Yeah, but th- the doctors are aghast about re- he- hearing about that recommendation because they they thought, what if we, the guy is 70 years old or so, 75? So what
0: the, what does it say about the the uh, the strategy or the lack of it when it comes to how the government uh, implemented this? Don't get us wrong, right? Yes. This is something that they needed to do to go after illegal drugs to make sure that the uh, drug addiction addiction is addressed. But I think. There's a big issue when it comes to the strategy, especially at that time, right?
1: Definitely. Um, the the lens that they had was uh one sixty five, the Dangerous Drugs Act, is two thousand two act. Um, when President Duterte came to power twenty sixteen, that's fourteen years later, a lot has happened in the in the in the science of, of, of drug addiction and the treatment of drug addiction. So but they still had that cologne or or in-house uh, patient uh, you know, um, framework. Mm. So definitely there's not enough space. There were only, we counted 1,000 beds.
0: Okay, l- give us a picture. You've been in this uh, advocacy for so long, mm. for how many years? Since 2016. Since 2016, so three years basically. Mm. And you've studied the science of it also, mm. aside from the legal aspect of, uh, of the problem. Mm. So give us a picture, let's say, if we are to follow the perspective under the Dangerous Drugs Act of two thousand and two, right. that everyone should go into inpatient rehabilitation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What are the numbers that, that are we t- that we're talking about here?
1: Yeah, we we counted at the time um, fifty rehab facilities, um, most of them private. If we're generous, you can even go up to sixty, but we counted no more than five thousand beds, and that's being generous. Um, and most of the, these have cost. You no, know, young. The Libre at that time was only Bikutan, maybe some uh, Tagaytay, and a few. So since that was the, the idea, how can you accommodate? But, but your number is 1.8. That was the that number
0: was. coming from the Dangerous Drugs Board. Yes. That was disputed even even by the President. Yes, yes. He
1: thought it was very low. Yeah. Right? He said it should be like something 5 to, to 8 million even.
0: So following the logic of, uh, of the Dangerous Drugs Act, and many of the officials in the government, you need to put all of them in an inpatient rehabilitation facility? Only for the user. For the user. The
1: inpatient is only for Section 15 violators. So that's using, you're caught using once, the first time you get caught, then you you get uh, sentenced to a six month uh, inpatient rehab. The second time you get caught, you're in prison. Mm -hmm. But what's the capacity of the the, uh, prison uh, system? Right. Uh, even at that point, we were already overcrowded. Um, before 2016, um, let's just say Kelaukan was about 500% overcrowded, and it mm-hmm. bloated way beyond that. It went to 1,200% overcrowding, right? So and that's that's pretty much representative of all the jail facilities in the in the country. So they're either in the inpatient where there are doctors, um, or you're in jail where there are no doctors. So of course, there there are the w- since they cannot all fit in prison, they cannot all fit in jail. Where would you bring them?
0: So, so that's one side of the problem. The other right. side is those who don't or not lucky enough to land in a rehabilitation facility or in jail, Mm-mm. they get killed. <laughs> yes, well,
1: yeah, that Tumba or Zumba, that right? That, yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, yeah that was a uh, because that was the thinking. Even of the I, 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 I was witness to this the um, LG use, use like uh, he said that he didn't even, you know, he had no idea what community-based rehab at the time. He only thought, H- you know how much it costs to rehab a, uh, a drug addict? It's something like 40000 a month, he said. He said
0: forty a month.
1: That was his computation. He so said, obviously, we don't have that much money. So that's why he said, like, what, bring them to jail? Or, and if they cannot fit in jail, then, you know, just leave them out there for to be picked off by whoever is interested to pick them off. Mm-hmm. Right. So th- th- that's why we really had to scramble and said, look, there's got to be a better way to rehabilitate these this, this patients or these clients who are who surrender And then where do we go? So which brings us to
0: the community-based yes. drug rehabilitation program. Yes. Yes. Now,
1: how does this work? So, um, it's rehab in a community. Okay. So it's outpatient. Um, and everything that they do in an inpatient setting, we try to replicate, right? So what what do they have there in Bikutan? They have a psychiatrist, they have a doctor, they have nurses, they have counselors, and they have uh, house parents. So that's what we try to do um, in a community setting, right? So we had to look for a place. Um, where do we get them to show up and feel secure that they want to talk about What's happening to them? If at least they want to do it, out of sincerity, not just because they don't want to be, uh, no. So, mm. so we had to start from that perspective. What do we do that would convince those people who knock on their doors to already stop knocking on their doors because they're undergoing rehab already. Already,
0: no so. need for this. Yes, no need to threaten them.
1: Yes, because that's what that's what the police also wanted to to feel, right? Oh, they're undergoing rehab, so we don't need to bother. Them, we go for others. So um, that was basically the, the 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 framework. So we tried to copy as much as we can. And Father Filioni at, at that time said, "You know, I've been a chaplain and also in Payatas, nothing really happens there, because the Payatas was the um, that was his statement, right? Mm-hmm. I want to do something more. Um, in on his idea was idle mind is the Davis workshop, right? So you know, fill them in as much as as, as, as you can." With really good ideas, basically a classroom. Yeah,
0: and I, I remember I was able to interview Father Filoni mm-hmm. in 2017. Mm-hmm. I think the, the the battle cry at that time was healing, mm-hmm. not killing.
1: Yes, yes.
0: And many of the uh, s- uh, of the uh, drug users who participated in his parish-based mm-hmm. rehabilitation program mm-hmm. were actually afraid mm-hmm. because police and unidentified men. Mm-hmm were already seen knocking on their doors, mm-hmm. and there were also a number of uh, neighbors or friends they knew mm. who got gunned down, yes, by unidentified assailants. Yes, so somehow they were <laughs> forced to, to to give this a shot,
1: right? That, that, that was the that was their impetus, uh, the, their motivation for coming in. At least you know, g- get away from the glare of of that tokang spotlight. I remember the first group we gathered. Um, because immediately when he had this idea, um, Father Fignon did, did, did call up my mayor and, and mayor said, Attorney yeah, Bok, you have to go, uh, you, you got to meet, meet the guy and see what you can work out. And right after we tried to do a, a community walk and have the police, you know, at least be shown that, look, you don't have to harass these people anymore, they're with us.
0: At that time, what was uh, with Kalokan? Was it considered at that time already as uh, among the hotspots? It
1: was, it was. Um, f- even from the micro perspective, um, and Filioni, Bishop Ambo, they're witness every day to people dying because they have to give final rights, right? Mm-hmm. So the, I think the, the what broke his back was was when Father Filioni bl- gave final rights to a five year old girl who was victim of a stray bullet right outside his parish. You know, she was buying a cigarette for her father and just, uh, just you know. So um, he said, we have to do something now. I wanted to do something before. Now I have to act. But I remember going back to that first gathering we had. You know, there were people who mass surrendered, supposedly, But during that mass surrender, we had the PNP. We had a bishop, even a Tobias at the time. And there were people from DALG even the vice mayor was there. And then we ushered them to his parish, because we already approved. Sort of, I had an idea that the his parish was the safest place in that in that area. Yes, if you've been there, it's it's perfectly fit for a, a facility. And then there were, I think, maybe 30 people there. And I I, I remember this was the first batch. This is the first batch. 30 would be a generous number. Maybe 22. But I remember distinctly there was this girl who we feel was you know marked for death and she was like half in half out whether she just show up and then disappear the, the next day was this Karina no 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 this was someone someone else forgot her name short hair she, even from because Karina I was thing. able to interview her oh yes she was able to finish the program Karina was our first first client okay right Karina and Oliver yeah
0: H- how about this woman that you were talking about yeah what she w- happened to her
1: she was like because, like, I, the, the the watch list would have the user, Pusher, and she was identified as a Pusher, mm. if you're a Pusher, you wouldn't have a lot of chance at that, that time. You're surviving. That's um, already a death sentence yeah, on your part. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's like, um, and Father Fignon told me, like, three days later, that, you know, she, she's gone, um, get gunned down. But uh, sh- we basically were her last, you know, last, last hope. And then he, he thought, if only if only we started sooner mm. yeah, that that was H- uh, how old was she
0: 20s in her 20s, 20s. but she 20s. was identified as a pusher, a pusher yeah. on the list by the police
1: yeah yeah so yeah. she
0: was able to attend the first gathering
1: the first gathering right after that
0: uh, that community walk and then 3 days after later she was gone yeah, down
1: yeah yeah that was the the report the, the, the whole idea but, but,
0: but what was the impact of this particular incident because I could only imagine that uh, people were being encouraged to participate in this novel program, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Comu- Community-Based Rehabilitation. Then all of a sudden, right at the outset, you would experience something like this. Something that could keep them from Correct. actually participating.
1: Th- that was our... When when that happened, then we said, Look, no one's going to enroll in our program now, because who's going to believe us, right? But to our surprise, at, at first it was so hard. The Barangi Captain at that time, uh, Eric Bunag, He had to do his own tukhang, but without the police. He had to plead them, with them, you know, just come over. Um, Maybe there's something here. We'll feed you. We'll even feed your kids while you're in the program. And, you know, we might be able to convince the authorities that we're doing the the right thing, you know, um, not even being in a Bikutan. Because the the only safe place for the tukhangers at that time was the in-house patient uh, facility there's right?
0: no one would kill you there <laughs> yes
1: no one would go in there and <laughs> yeah. you know pick you off but here it's it was so risky because they'd go home at night and then your killers would be waiting for you and y- you wouldn't so it was a touch t- very much touch and go you know at first and then you know people just started c- to come out of their own and they you know right after being you know surrendered and we we we, talked, we had them talk to the doctor the doctor would say you know she's okay she's fit for outpatient And this one is not so okay, we have to recommend her to Bikutan or Tagetai, or some other, so...
0: But but what are the advantages of uh, doing
1: community-based rehabilitation compared to inpatient? It's so much more scalable. You would have as many... For one, um, there's not accreditation, of course, you don't have to go through... To DOH or whoever was the government agency, we just needed to convince the PNP at that time that you know they're doing rehab.
0: If you're the user, you don't do. do you need to spend on that particular rehab, or no it's no, free?
1: It's free. It's completely free. It's completely free. You just walk in, you know, and you know we'll feed you. We'll even give you a kilo of rice. That that's what this contribution later. When you leave, and you know, um, we'll we'll have you trained so you can look for jobs. You can even have your your own sewing machine here. You could sew, and we give you sewing jobs basically just make them stay away at, from their homes, which is not safe anymore uh, at that time. So, so,
0: so what happens during uh, the, the, the reha- rehabilitation sessions?
1: Yes, so it started, again, it was a very makeshift program, right? So um, there were a lot of we- very well-meaning people um, who came out of the woodwork after we basically gathered the entire citizen machinery of Kaloca, I mean, 500 people, five uh, batches, 100 per batch, three days per batch, basically talk it out. And at the same time, I formed, th- I formed a team. I had a team of my psychologists at the time and then the doctors, the came in later. We learned with them, you know. We learned what what is it's about. We learned how a, a CBDR can can grow and how it can be based. So we CBDR is community-based drug, drug rehab, rehabilitation. Yes. Okay, yeah, I keep saying that. <laughs> <laughs> Just for the benefit yes, of our audience, sorry, because um, I am so used to the acronym now. Yeah, CBDR. Yeah, CBDR. So the um. Sorry, the. So you were trying to come up with a
0: module, a program. Yes. Yes. At least at that time, it was still makeshift, right? Yes. But you were pulling all the knowledge, yes, data and evidence from science, right? right. That you that you got that right. that were available.
1: The budget department of City Hall asked for my program, like attorney. It has to be like nine to five, right? Because we're going to we'll, we'll be found that. But you have to fill in like every thirty minutes. What are they gonna do, right? So um, I even went to Davao to look for uh, ideas, you know, modules, whatever they have. And then they came in, so I remember that, that the first module we had, it was, but very much NA, Narcotics Anonymous, uh, populated. Meaning? Uh, what, what happens during? The, the NA is N- very a- much a 12-step mm. 12, 12 program. Uh, each step, the, uh, the, the drug user will go through each step, and it's quite sequential. So first it's the powerlessness and the belief in higher power and then making amends. Um, but it was run by uh, you know, former drug users themselves. You know. So, because they had supposedly the technology of the NA, they had the Bible, uh, they even had that translated. Mm-hmm. Because the NA was supposedly for um, a supposed rehab program. Mm-hmm. And we thought, and I thought, it could be used as a, C- a CBDR program module. So, you started with narcotics. I started with narcotics. At Anonymous. least approach. Yes. Okay. Um, Did it work? Um, at first, because you know we were grasping at straws, you know, basically. And I said, you know, there's not much out there. DOH came out much later with a uh, c- approach called Matrix Intensive Outpatient Program, MIOP. And um, I- the challenge was, can you localize that? Can you adapt it to Filipino setting? It's twice a week. But there's still NA there, uh, the 12-step approach. And then the, the psychiatrist came in, um, uh, Medical City, the, the doctor, but I said, uh, no, you have to do something more substantial. You have to go into the, uh, you know, deep inside, you have to approach it with com- cognitive behavior therapy, motivation interviewing. So is, can you teach us that? Mm-hmm. So uh, that was the form, I, the team I formed already. And we realized that the vast difference between the 12 step approach and one when you really have to go deep into a person, find out where the trauma is. Every drug addict, every drug user um, has pain. You know, that, that's the pain, that psychological pain mostly. S- some of them physical pain, that's why they get to self-medication, but the psychological pain is the more difficult one to, to address. Only if professional psychiatrists psychologists will be able to, you know, draw that out from a person. The NA cannot be, is not able to do that. So so, we so, so you tweak the NA approach? Yes.
0: And you, you try to look for the root cause yes. of the addiction. Yes. But we're talking here of those who are actually regular users. Yes. Not the occasional one-time users. No, no. No,
1: no, the one-time users, we just leave to the barangay. Just show up there every Saturday, you just sign up. That's where, where the, screening, uh, the, the screening, the value of the screening program is. Because the doctor who is trained to do the screening will just say, okay, you're level one, you, you don't really have to report to us, just show up in the barangay. Maybe the barangay will ask you to do something, you know.
0: But, but in this case, the approach that you develop, you introduce trauma-based, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so how did it work?
1: This is for the serious drug mm. users now, who we feel. I- you need the first batch was, most most of them really belonged in any patient facility, but they just begged us not not to bring them there. So, um, that that was the the approach that we had. It's like um, th- there cannot be it cannot be all um, group. Group behavior it cannot be group therapy because most of you will just be feeling your way around. When we introduced the one-on-one counseling, uh, that was when we had, uh, we, we scored a lot of, of, of gains. So we had them baselined. We had to find out the baseline behavior for each uh, patient, and we tried to craft whether you should be with us for four months or even l- less, uh, one month, and then maybe some even beyond. Um, Can you talk about the, 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 the
0: worst or the most difficult case that you encountered oh at yes. that time? Oh, w- yes. Without naming names. Yes,
1: yes. F- so, when we launched, um, Father Fijon had his own in, in Camarín, then Bishop Amboa is immediately in uh, San Roque, and then there was another one in Bagumbario, which mm. is a hot spot of the entire Calo- Kalauka. Okay. There was one in San Roque, um, mother and son. So the, um, I, I found out later that she was the mother. She was probably not more than 55, but she looked ancient, um, withered skin, etc. cetera, no, no teeth. And, and she was failing every drug test we had because we, we did a lot of drug testing back then, back then, because in, again, in an effort to convince the, the police. No. And then the son was doing very well. He was near the top of his class. Uh, he was very responsive took to our activities very much, and volunteered with a lot of tasks, and even, you know, started being a server in the church. But the mother just would fail every single <laughs> drug test, right? So I said, um, maybe it's time to talk to her, it's like, um, wh- what's, th- what's the problem here? Maybe it's not drugs, maybe it's something else. So I started talking, and then the guy who was with me said, uh, Lola, m- maybe because we can't even treat you anymore, and then th- and then she just started crying, right? Just give me one more chance. Um, what was the problem here? It's like why do you why do you keep using? Um, th- she had one apo, one or two grandson with that with that uh, son of, of hers, classmate nya, and then she said, um, I just really want to be with my grandchildren, but the the wife wouldn't let me. And Because I'm a user, she you know she drives me away. So so if, if that was our my question next, so it's like so if you're with your grandchildren, would you stop using? Probably I would because that's the only thing I really want. Uh, it, the conversation came about later. We had an outing and I talked to the son. It's like and then she said, yeah, I realize that now. Yeah, but um, Mama is with with us now. Um, I she talked to me right after y- you talked, and she had found found the courage to sort of open up. And yeah, I realized my mistake. I sort of prevailed upon my wife that you know we're we're doing okay. At least we're we're learning together. So, and that was her that was her sort of turnaround. That was the breakthrough. Yeah, it was
0: a breakthrough that she was looking for. But, but uh, how did she get in that uh, session in the first place? She was enrolled. She she by, was in by the sun. program.
1: Yes, I mean she volunteered. Uh, uh, she
0: volunteered. So yeah. right out, right at the outset, she wanted to do something about her situation.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe volunteer is the, is the wrong word because tino din eh. She got afraid. Yeah. How, afraid. how how old was she? At that time, she was like 57. So 57, but she had yeah. a son and a yeah. granddaughter. A, a, a granddaughter. And, uh, so that was our that's my realization see it's it's a housing situation you know it's a she just she just w- that was her life uh, that's like even i asked her like uh, how much do you make what do you do uh, mm-hmm. to to i'm a sweeper um street sweeper. street sweeper and she earns like 150 per day she uses 50 to eat and 100 to, to use i don't right? uh, what would even get out of 100 pesos and she has to use with a with um with people because like. It's really, not much. If you just mm. buy one hundred pesos, so right? they pull their money. They Pull their money, so they could buy a gram m- or maybe half a gram, and they would sniff together. So, th- that's that's how it that's how it's done. But, right? but the
0: son was doing well. The son
1: was yeah, he was like cleaned the whole time. And he w- he had he he had a job. He on the side he would you know he he uh, hustle. He would have a a basurero uh, business going on and some odd jobs. And he provided well, right? Mm-hmm.
0: And then I, I so, so what happened to the to the mother? Yeah,
1: I asked later my my pad leader Jijet, if um uh, what she said. You know, right after your, your conversation, because we really said you know we we let her go, and we'll see how, how how she ended up. We 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 stopped talking to her after that. She said she doesn't even have to be in the program anymore because she's just volunteering where, where the son is going, and then um like she was helping out in, in his businesses. Um, she was still a sweet street sweeper, I think. But the last time she checked, she checked in with us, and she said, "Can, can I do a drug test with you so I can prove that to you that you know I'm I'm clean and uh, I'm like I'm, I'm not doing this anymore." So she was, she was saved. Oh yeah.
0: Somehow. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. But 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 this but uh, this particular case isn't that more of an, ex- an exception than a rule.
1: Yes. Yes, uh, because w- I we d- can
0: only imagine how difficult other cases might have been.
1: Yes, we do realize that the tools that we have are so, you know, ineffectual. Uh, even the screening tool, we, we still use uh, assist, uh, alcohol substance uh, intake uh, standard test, which is like your behavior for the past three months. There's, there's not enough there. So we had to level up our game. We're, we're using more expansive uh, tools now. We're using addiction severity index, which is more questions and it's more motivational. The, the, first, the first interview, your first contact with them, that's the most important. That first contact will tell you whether he will come back or he will disappear from the community or he'll even do worse things. So we felt that that was our job to really educate ourselves and uh, you know, upgrade our skills. So we, I had to hire, I now have 12. Full time, uh, psychometricians. I have a psychiatrist. I have a psychologist, and they're all very good. They've they've learned. We've basically interviewed more th- almost five thousand people now uh, since we've started.
0: Over the past three years. Over the past uh, three years. Three. Oh, no more than two years.
1: Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, because we started September 2016.
0: Ah, September 2016. Yeah, September okay.
1: one. That that's the that's our anniversary. Um. So, we've. We basically learned on the job, but in in the process, we've been to seminars and so many And and how many
0: have you you graduated?
1: Okay, um, our reach really right now, it's less than a thousand, it's 982. That's the number. Over the past three years? For the past three years. And how many drug
0: users are there in Kalaokan?
1: The list says it's 15,400. So you still have a very long way to go. Long way to go. Our waiting list is about a thousand. To be Waiting to be enrolled. in the program. Mm-hmm. I, c- I cannot scale up enough because I do not want, there's a lot of barangays who ask me if they can do the program. Said, so okay, we'll, we'll sign something, but you gotta have a full-time psychometrician with you. I cannot let a, uh, a Zumba you know, instructor <laughs> lead the program for sure. Um, you gotta have, everyone has to go through a screening, which only we can do, but Uh-oh. even with that, but but off the uh, let's say 900 something mm. just just to give us a mm. uh,
0: a ballpark a ballpark figure so mm. out of the 900 for example how many mm. actually succeeded how many somehow returned to their old ways mayerman they have a monitoring system yes yes of course um, post rehabilitation monitoring yes
1: we d- we do even the september the first batch graduated uh, april yeah, April 2017 that, that was a uh, Karen etc and there's they're doing okay now Karen is now a legal secretary with a with the law firm and uh, and some others I could count with my fingers you know most of them w- so this here's w- how I found out whether they're doing well we tried to do a uh, a, a, a grab messenger program you know get a get them to to have uh, their motorcycles etc and they can pull themselves basically and be there be a a self monitoring uh, aftercare program because it's like okay you, you buy the motorcycle but you have to pay and if someone defaults you have to carry it, the others have to carry it, that sort of thing i found out that all most of the most of the people i so i thought of I thought who would grab or try to jump at the opportunity, I said, no, we have jobs already. Mm. <laughs> if we don't... And th- I, I found it hard, you know, give gathering just even five persons to be in that program.
0: Y- you wanted to introduce a new form of livelihood for them. Yes. But it they already had uh, gainful income. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I said, you have to go deeper into it because that's one thing we, we lack right now. Right yeah. Case management, uh, social work is really overburdened. But um, when I tried to look for this, um, we said, well, I'm, how come I thought it th- that was your problem? Um, maybe they just don't want the program. We did offer them a lot of programs before. This is the one thing that they you know, they, they sort of take, took a liking to.
0: But- Now, no, no, how long does the community-based rehabilitation program usually last? Because uh, I think this is very effective in the sense compared to inpatient uh, rehabilitation. It's because they won't be away from their families, right? Yes. They can continue with their work. Mm-mm. They can continue with their studies. Mm-mm. But they, at the same time, they have a rehabilitation program available for them. Mm-hmm. But, but how long usually is the program?
1: It, it ranges from two weeks to four months. It depends on the screening? It depends. It depends on the result of your screening. Um, so
0: for the heavy users who do not require inpatient rehabilitation, the maximum is what? Four
1: months. Four months. Four months. And that's every day? No, no. Um, they come in twice a week. Twice a week. Um, and how many hours? Session three hours per session, uh, two hours for group therapy, one hour for one on one counseling. That's the so it runs from
0: what one. time, nine, nine o'clock, or
1: it depends. We have several classes. Ah, So you adjust, these. yeah, we ah, adjust. Okay, okay. We adjust. depending on the schedule. Yeah, uh, some of them even you know, shop on Sundays, those who read can't find so to find the time. Even our first group, um, we started. Can you do like ten, 10 to 1, and then there'll be another class, uh, two to five? So it's sort of a, we, we we do try to cater to as many of them as we can. You know? So you could imagine just the, the burden on on even the, the the staff that already have. Some think that there's a lot under my employer, there's actually very, very few. They're so some of them might need their own rehab already. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned that the most crucial
0: part is the screening. That's yes. where you identify whether a particular person would require inpatient or community-based rehabilitation, or let's say he's just an occasional user who can be uh, dealt with at the barangay level. But how about the situation where, let's say, you have an enrollee in Mm. the community-based rehabilitation program, Mm. but once he returns to the community, he would be dealing Mm. with the same situation that he has been dealing with Mm. over the past several years, meaning Mm. he would still be in contact with the pushers, Mm. a lot of friends who are still into... Drug addiction. So, so how do you deal with that?
1: That that's the that's the hard part. Um, our desire really is by expanding the program and um, really addressing those who are in the program, their their trauma past experiences. Who in the community do you want to avoid? <laughs> that's the question that most of us are asked. Most of them are asked, and we sort of say, um, we do not want them to become, you know. Um, Informers, of course, and that's the last thing that we want. So that's the first thing that we tell the police, don't don't even come in, don't don't pump them for information, but otherwise they won't come back. But I remember one, one situation, this guy, um, but he came from any patient facility, and like two years later, came back to Kalauka and didn't realize where he was. Uh, uh, probably he wasn't still fully cured. Mm. And then he asked for help, like, um, where can I find, how do I get to my my family? Who's your family here? I said, I have a daughter. And she's living in a place where the whole neighborhood are pushers, right? So it's like, how do you even survive in that place? right? Because he's a member of a gang, right? And the first thing that would happen to him, he goes back, is that the gang members will contact him, right? So this is the scenario that you are to the painting said, sorry, can, I have, can I go somewhere where, you know, I sort of just visit my daughter and try to, resi- to rescue her from that place so we can go somewhere else. That mm-hmm. was his plan. Yeah. They go to Bicol mm-hmm. and he has a brother there and they can start probably agriculture, or another business, just take her away. Um, so I asked around uh, where can he sleep over while he's visiting his daughter. So uh, fortunately there were actually some offers and he even stayed for a while he Rodriguez, there's a convent there. Mm. Right? And then he'd show up and just try to, because the daughter uh, was the minor, so, but the mother was uh, also in jail in Walabon for another offense It's mm-hmm. a drug. So it's has got complicated. But I did see them together in the picture, and then I said, uh, is there a chance that you'd be able to, to bring her out? Really, your only recourse there, if you find yourself in the situation, is to leave that situation you cannot change the community with being there because mm-hmm. you'd just be one of the hundreds already in the trade, right? So our approach there was at least talk to the barangay captain, why is this neighborhood still full of pushers, right? What can you do about it? What's your plan? Um, are, so uh, have you contacted with the authorities, so, what, so with the PDE even? Mm-hmm. So that, that's why we need this access to, even if we are in the community and we do give the, the health perspective, we still need access to the uh, to the to the police to the PDA because they can do something about it. They can break up the, the change there.
0: Okay. Now this is the uh, success story, at least relatively, because mm-hmm. you still have mm-hmm. a, a long way to go mm-hmm. when it comes to uh, addressing the drug problem in Kalokan using mm-hmm. a community built uh, community based drug rehabilitation approach. Mm-hmm. Now, how do you? replicate this kind of program nationwide. Understand that was also the same plan mm. of the vice president mm-hmm. before she was removed from yes. the ICAD.
1: Yes, she, she very much liked our, our program. She said she was going to benchmark all her other programs based on, on us. Um, the idea there, it, it I, I could say I was just lucky at, at the time to, to be able to form this, but now that it's out and even the ALG has bought into the idea, uh, the local, local government so the first thing you do is you to unlock the resource you have to unlock resources resources of from, from the where lgu you have to unlock resources from business business is so important
0: in short money money you need funding for this
1: yes but not just the the funding is the easy part actually the more difficult part is f- to find the players to find people like like uh filioni to find people like mayor oka who's so intent on just you know owning the program for for uh, for their own locality
0: but but th- do you think there's any other way of doing it because people are asking <laughs> you can't just kill all those drug users right it, This has I to mean, be done there has to be another way and this is the the, the other way
1: you know w- w- we looked around for models we couldn't find na we couldn't find any uh, not in mexico not in indonesia not in thailand this is this is filipino uh, this is this could be our, our creation, but you have to find the, the passion within the community. Th- that, that's, that's more th- that's more important than the money that will come in later. Mm-hmm. But of course, the passion has to be sustained. You know, you, th- These people have to eat. These people have to you know, feed for their own families. So, so, so
0: you say that this community-based uh, approach is very Filipino in nature? It is, it is. Y- you don't have any similar models abroad? Not at all. Not Even at all.
1: Thailand? Even Thailand. We went to Indonesia. Indonesia is a charisma. But the drugs that they use is different, they're heroin, um, most of them are heroin users. So this one is uh, ATS, you know, amphetamine type substitutes, a substance. And so we have a lot of learning here that we can export. And this is, this is the greater challenge, you know, documenting this, um, you know, getting more research into this, does this really work vis-a-vis um, what the government is really doing. Mm-hmm. Right, because uh, who knows? We might be really into something here. In the process, by doing this, we're actually you know, changing the society as as a whole. Now, wh- when you talk about unlocking the resources, how do you do that? Are there any restrictions in the law as they ex- as they are now? There are. Uh, there's, you know, there's no CBDR in the law, right? So there's no community-based there's no drug, community-based drug based. <laughs> <laughs> the, law, the law does not recognize levels of addiction. There's nothing there, so you have to buy at least, even if Congress is slow in, you know, taking this up. And there's, there's some Senate bills going on right there. Th- there there's not enough push, no, for CBRD. Some people find it, you know, because even if you find um, try to find funding from Europe, for instance, there's nothing there. They're only there for like harm reduction, for instance. Mm-hmm. There's money there, but there's um, I talked to some so like you know that that's a thankless job you have there because. Most people, they just want this crisis to go away. But our objective is different. We, we, we have a three-month plan, we have a six-month plan, one year, and then up to 2022, after 2030, it's all lined up. We just have to find the right people. So w-
0: when you talk about—when uh, w- you say that uh, the community-based drug rehabilitation is program is not in the law, mm-hmm. I was surprised by that because I thought this was already thought out properly. Or it's because our law needs
1: a very important amendment. It does. The the, commi- the, the comprehensive dangerous drugs act of tw- 2002. 2002, yes. Uh, that's very much copied from the US model. Which is? Uh, they have the dangerous drugs act. That's why we added the word comprehensive dangerous drugs act. But it's very much, you know, police enforcement. Very punitive. Very punitive. Uh, the possession of the most, the tiniest. Particle there would land you like an infinite time in jail. Um, so uh, even the the Supreme Court has realized that you know we could we could free up a lot of our jail facilities by just introducing plea bargaining procedures, and that's what they did. But again, they're burdening our system. The uh, ALG has come up with a, a couple of memorandums saying that this is what you should do, this is what you should do. But where's the money? Mm-hmm. Where's the money for us to do that? Yeah, so, so how exactly <laughs> do you make the, the funds available?
0: Because I th- I, it might be very difficult because you mentioned earlier hiring psychologists, mm-hmm.
1: psychiatrists, mm-hmm. psychometricians. Mm-hmm. You need to pay them, right? Yes, yes, yes. So you where do you get the money? So right now, you have to have an enabling ordinance now, within your locality. The, the city came up with an ordinance creating Kadao, uh, Abuse office, and funding Cadao. So at least that's that's sustainable now, that's continuous. But we had Canada to refers own, to the City Anti-Drug the Abuse, abuse office, office. Yes. And, but in order for us to come up with that ordinance, there, there had to be a you know, spark there somewhere. Well, it was because I, I kept asking funds from a budget officer and the budget, you know, I just yeah, proposed to the mayor to give you an office so that you don't have to keep, you know, knocking on my door every time. Baka <laughs> mo <or> something <laughs> like that. So, a, a lot of, you know, stick-to-itiveness uh, re- really mattered, you know, a lot. Um, but, but what particular changes can be
0: introduced to the Comprehensive Dangerous Drugs Act to make sure that this uh, particular initiative won't rely solely on the imagination, creativity, or openness of specific LGUs, that this would be implemented nationwide, uniform na, in terms of funding?
1: Yes. At the very least, um, amend or strengthen um, that, that section in the, in the law, now Section 51, which says the substantial, allocate a substantial portion. You know, Just remove the word substantial, put it at least 1% of your annual budget. That will free up a lot of resources. And th- the thing is, most people, when they look at the budget for drugs, they think of two things, drug testing and drug clearing. Mm-hmm. Th- those are just, uh, those are just, uh, you know those are just results they are not your main programs your main program is is research it's data gathering it's counseling because you're ca- you're addressing the 95 percent of the people in the list right the five percent those that you can bring to to inpatient facilities so sure there are in more inpatient facilities now but even there like for instance in in where they have the mega rehab who's yeah. there uh, is there even a doctor in that place, mm. right? Um, so even my my the judges in Kaloakan are, are scared to send people there because uh, they're 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 not even getting cured. And so there was a very low occupancy rate there. It is. I remember
0: former DDB chairman uh, Junisia Santiago lost his job.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he was <laughs> fired. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I remember that <laughs> for for calling it for as it is right. Good advice, basically. Yeah, yeah and there's one in, 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 in Bukidnon, sure, we need them because there's still that five percent. That's a, still a big number. But what about the 95 percent? That, that has to be in the community. Th- that's, that's where the, the, the funding has to go. You cannot, you cannot even, I cannot even rely on provisions with the mental health bill. I thought I could. As the mental health law only says um, it will become a mental health issue only after the drug dependence examination will we'll, we'll say, the doctor will say that he's a mental case. And that's even the worst, that's less than 5%, that's less than 1%. So for you to benefit under the (laughs) mental health law? You have to be a mental health uh, um, condition, so... (laughs) There uh, has to be classification. Yeah, after you get a, you know, it was so disappointing when I I saw it, I said, it was again, no, it informed, because there's no community-based rehab there. So you will have to deal with two types of stigma. Yeah.
0: drug addict that's how they, uh, they they
1: they term people like this drug addict and uh, then addict at Baliu. Baliu, <laughs> so which is you know, which it's is very d- problematic and worse. how can you encourage
0: people to go into rehabilitation yes now finally is there a concern on your part that uh w- with the vice president now out of the picture that somehow this concrete proposals that you uh crafted mm. with her with her office and mm. with other groups mm. who are s- uh, like minded mm-hmm. like your group, mm-hmm. somehow this might uh, this might not push through anymore.
1: not at all, not at all we 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 have our own competencies, and we do have resources to push through not much, but we've been able to get this far um, even without the very active involvement of the VP. Now she's now very much involved. So it's like that was our that the the two week window that we had. Um, I told I told the group that our best case scenario here is we have a we have found a, a you know a new ally, and she now realized that a lot of her programs, the angat buhay, laylayan, are very much you know um, in consonance with what we've been doing. So you just have to infuse. So instead of saying laylayan na these are the you know.
0: But even then, she has limited powers. So so how about the Duterte administration itself? Uh, is this idea getting traction coming from the government? Because you might have all your success yes, stories yes, on yes. the at the local level, but in terms of replicating that nationwide, you
1: would need to get the support for sure of the government. For sure, um, the ILG has is is on the right track. No, at least it has come up with standards of uh, of CBDR, and but it just needs to convince you know the. The funders in the government you know put money there because you know i looked at the people's budget last night and it's, it's the entire budget for 2020 there's no mention of a single mention of the word drugs there there's no mention which particular budget which agency the entire uh, the entire government uh, budget not just the philippine national police's budget no there, there's there's nothing there and I, I i look at the earlier versions if it's the flagship program of the government why is there no money for uh, for uh, drug rehabilitation or community-based drug rehabilitation you cannot just you know keep dictating to the lgus to 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 keep funding it without your own counterpart funding mm-hmm.
0: well that's <laughs> sad to hear but uh, of course you can always identify some silver lining yes uh, in this entire episode not just because of what happened with the vice president but uh, of course we hope that uh, somehow there can be improvements mm-hmm. with the conduct of the drug war mm-hmm. by this administration, even the use of the word war, no? Yes, yeah. yes. Sometimes that's very combative, yeah. and very negative, yeah, very atrocious, no?
1: Yeah, you cannot declare war on on poor people. You cannot declare war on inanimate objects. Okay. Yeah.
0: Well, Attorney uh, Bokla Bastilla, thank, thank you very you. much for joining us. Uh, it's been a pleasure, and thank you very much for, for all the knowledge that you <laughs> <laughs> shared with us on this very important <laughs> issue, which yes. is... Community based drug rehabilitation.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: And that's it for this week's episode. Catch us again next week for another edition of the Matters of Fact podcast.